0: Will you take your Bibles, please, and turn to the 10th chapter of the book of Romans, Romans chapter 10. And while you are turning there, as you know, it is our practice that when the missionaries come, we take up an offering at the end of the service to help them with their expenses and so on. And um, after the service, there will be two people standing at the back, and please be prepared to give as you are able. Romans chapter 10. I'll read the first four verses from which comes our message this morning. The Word of God. Brethren, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for them is for their salvation. He's talking about the Jews from chapter 9. For I testify about them that they have a zeal for God but not in accordance with knowledge. For not knowing about God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own, they did not subject themselves to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law, for righteousness for everyone who believes. Father, I do pray that in these next few moments as we think of a A very vital word, a passion for the loss. I pray that you will help us to to give attention to your word. That you will give us an understanding of the condition of people without Jesus Christ. That the Spirit himself will be our instructor. That the one who speaks will be subject to the message that is spoken and that our hearts will be open to you to hear as you speak, and grace given from you for us to obey. In Jesus' name, amen. Many of you know of Eric Little. The story was told of Eric in Chariots of Fire. You know that in 1924 he won the 400 yards dash during the olympics in france, in paris france and he ran the 400 because he wouldn't run on sundays at which was his the, the race in which he was quite capable of winning persuading a persuasion from others came that he should run because his country's um Power, because this is what the Olympics give. The, 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 the conscious reputation was at stake. Eric was committed, I will not run on Sunday, it is the Lord's day. And so he finally consented to run in the 400 yards, which was not his forte. At another time he did, and he won. Eric little practice. Practice day and night. Practice with a passion. One day his sister said to him, Eric, you are spending so much time practicing, practicing, practicing. Why? And Eric Little said to his sister, uh, not little, but li- little, little, Liddell. For those of you who are wondering if I'm saying little. That's, I get Uh, somebody said, he speaks English and you speak American and sometimes you don't get what he says. So that's what someone said. And uh, he said, Mary, God has made me fast. And when I run, I feel his presence with me. But Mary, God has called me to China. And no matter how hard I practice, I never lose the sense of God's calling to share the gospel with people who have never heard it. In the midst of his practice, in the midst of the long hours he gave to practicing, the passion was there. I had a very interesting thing happen to me. Our son, Came home this past weekend. Well, he came this in this area. I haven't seen him as yet. He, he came home, uh, he drove down f- Friday. And he called me and he said, Dad, I will be home tomorrow. Um, there's a birthday party I want to go to in Corvallis. So I'll see you tomorrow noon. I had all, a whole lot of plans. You know, one of the things we were going to do, we were going to go to... to um, Buffalo Wings. <laughs> have you been to Buffalo Wings? Oh, man, they just opened one in Salem. And, and we were going to go there. And I had this plan to go, uh, you know, because I know that we could burn together when we get there. <laughs> so I have had everything ready. And I don't know what I was doing. I didn't get his call. So I, I, I must have been resting or something. I don't know. So when I was conscious of it, I took my cell phone and I missed a call. It was Christopher. So he left a message. No, I'm sorry. It was Christopher. So I called right back because I thought, you know, I wanted to tell him, since he's coming from Corvallis, that he could meet me right off I-5 and we would go to the Buffalo Wings. And he said, Oh, Dad, I wanted to tell you, someone gave me tickets to go to see the beavers (laughs) so I won't be home oh man I tell you I you know my mouth was watering (laughs) thinking of buffalo wings and he wanted to go to a beavers game now I want you to know friends I want you to know when when, I, I, I never I'll never forget it as long as I live When I first came here, I went to to the bank, and uh, as I was standing there, this guy said, are you a beaver or a duck? (laughs) And I looked at him, I said, I beg your pardon. (laughs) He said, you are not from around here, are you? (laughs) I said, no, I'm not. Then he told me, I I literally, I, I thought that they were talking about reliving the war between the north and the south, I didn't know anything about a beaver or a duck. And then, of course, when I came here to speak, for one occasion, my first introduction to Gerald, because I said my son was talking about going to Eugene to university, after the service, Gerald came to me, he said, I love everything you said until you mentioned Eugene. So I'm not too sure of that, but I guess there must, he, must have been, he must have been getting somewhat of the, of the, uh, the passion uh, because Southern Oregon is passionately beaver country, as I learned. So part of last night was spent watching the game to see if I would see my son to say hi to him. Uh, uh. But passion. I watch, I watch the hundreds of students that were there last night I didn't see the first part of the game I was busy so I didn't see how sad they were but I watched the game in the second and third quarters and they were not quiet they were excited they were they were over exuberant about about the game and there's you know there's nothing wrong with that there's absolutely nothing wrong with being passionate about something but dear friends, my question is, do we share a passion for people who are lost? Do we feel like the apostle who is, who is, who is expressing something of his passion? In chapter 9 of, of, of Romans, he said, I could wish that I could exchange places with them so that they will get to know what it is. To know the forgiveness of sins and to have a hope for life beyond the grave. And he begins chapter 10 by sharing something, expressing this passion. That's what I want to share with you for the time remaining this morning. Let's consider right away the message in chapter 10 verse 1. The expression of his passion. Look at how he begins the text brethren this is interesting because he's talking to those who share his faith he's talking to those who had experienced with him the forgiveness of sins those who were one with him because of having been born again and now he's sharing with them and you know what this uh, as i studied this one of the things that came out of this text isn't it amazing with our brothers and with our sisters in Christ, we can talk about everything. But we do not talk about lost souls. We get embarrassed if we, if we want to talk about people who are without hope and without God. We, we can talk about the, the, the weather. We can, we can talk about the, the, the storms. And nothing is wrong with that. But my friends, we live in a world where there are people who are lost, and if we cannot speak to those who are of like precious faith about those who are lost, we're not going to talk about the, the lost, about the lost, about their lostness. If I can't speak about it to someone who is close to me, how can I speak to those that I'm trying to reach with the gospel? So Paul is sharing with with, with those of like precious faith, the pain that he feels for those who do not know the Savior. He, he's saying to them, I want you to know what's happening to me. I, I will never forget, some of you who are old enough as in, in the faith will remember the book of E.M. Bounds, B-O-U-N-D-S. He's written several books on prayer, and I'll never forget the first time I read E.M. Bounds, Book on the purpose of prayer and the power of prayer, and he says something like this: One morning he woke up. He got out of his bed, and he was on his face beside his bed, and his wife could not see. She woke up because she felt the bed moving, and she she she, she discovered where her husband was. And he talked to her, shouted to her husband, or spoke to her husband. Why don't you come to bed? Why don't you come to bed? And I'll never forget the words of E.M. Bounds. Listen to what he says. How can I come to bed when there are those in my congregation whose eternal destiny I am not sure of? How can I come to bed? He felt the weight of the lostness. The pressure of the lost condition of those around him. Salvation, my friends, is an offer to God to people around the world. But we can't be so concerned about people in other parts of the world if we're not concerned about the people that are closest to us. So I ask myself I have a brother who's not a Christian. How much time do you spend in prayer for him, Winston? I have several nieces and nephews, and we're very close. I speak to their parents quite regularly, and they share with me what they're doing. What, what part of my life is spent in prayer so that my nieces and nephews will come to a place of, of having trusted Christ the Savior? Brethren, says Paul, I want you to feel the pressure that I feel for the lostness of those with whom I am acquainted. To say nothing. To say nothing. Those we work with. Those of our neighbors. Those we go to school with. Those we share with. Those we meet. We know, my friends, whether they belong to Christ or not. And we don't need to go to Kiev. We send to Kiev... But we have lost people right where you and I are. Look at this personal passion. It was not only a public expression. He let others know that there's another part of his life. He said this, my heart's desire, the heart, the center of our being, where life comes from. My desire, the word is good pleasure. My heart has no pleasure. No pleasure when I know it's not complete when I know that there are those who are not sharing the life of Christ. Pleasure. You know what God says? He says, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. And if God shares no pleasure in the death of the wicked, my friends, you and I, not that we will glee when they die, but we can't We can't be satisfied in our own lives when we know that they may have died and they are gone to a grave that is Christless. My heart's desire, the pleasure of my heart, is for the lost without Christ. The greatest pleasure on earth is to see salvation brought to a lost soul. When was the last time God gave us that pleasure? To rejoice. To rejoice. Because God brought a lost soul to himself. And let me suggest to you, my friends, he will not do it without prayer. That's why Paul said, my heart's desire, the good pleasure of my heart, my heart knows its greatest thrill When someone comes to Christ, and here is how I am proving that this passion is real, I am praying to God. I am praying to God. Paul is sharing the action taken that shows the awareness of this passion. It surfaced itself from my heart, not only to your ears, but to the ears of God. My prayer, let me suggest three things that prayers do, Uh, a prayer will, will do when we pray for the lost. One, prayer is the genuine concern. Prayer is the genuine concern that is expressed when I'm concerned for the lost. You see, because it doesn't begin with them. It begins with God. God's Spirit must come and convict their hearts of the message when you take it. And by the way, Christianity is more than a lifestyle. Christianity is a lifestyle produced by the gospel. Please remember that. Sometimes we say, well, I just want to live so that they can see. Yes, but they still need to to know how you came to be that way. So a genuine concern for the lost begins with prayer. It is the only release of the pressure that I feel for the unconverted. This is exactly what the Lord Jesus said in John 17. I pray not only for these who have believed, but for those who will believe because of them. Even Christ himself began his concern for the lost with prayer. Corporate prayer. Collective prayer. And my friends, it is true. That if we have never uttered a word from God together with others for Christ, I am not too sure that we are sharing the passion and the proof of our concern for the lost. Secondly, prayer penetrates where no human being can go. Prayer Penetrates, think of some of the people you would like to see become Christians and the only reason you have not shared with them is because you know how ugly they are in attitude. How, how resistant they are to the gospel. Let me tell you briefly the story of Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor was a missionary to China. He was brought up in a beautiful English home. His mother prayed, his mother prayed for Hudson again and again and again. And Hudson continued in his rebellion against God. Not overt rebellion, just he didn't see any need. One day Mrs. Taylor had to go away and she left Hudson, his sister and someone else at home. One day while Mrs. Hudson Taylor was away, she was speaking with the friends that she was visiting, her family members. And she felt the pressure of God to leave the room and go to a a solitary place to pray for Hudson. And she was praying miles away from her son. Praying and praying. Then she came back. And her face was, was glowing with the presence of God, as it were. At the time she was praying, Hudson, her son, went into his dad's room, office, picked up a gospel tract and started to read. And as Hudson was reading that tract, the Spirit of God broke in upon his heart. He surrendered his life to Christ. Ran to his sister. I think Elizabeth was her name. Betty, Betty, he said. I want to tell you what has happened to me. My sins are forgiven. My heart is free. Betty, Betty, I have... Res- I have re- uh, responded to the call of God. Betty, please, don't tell mom. I want to tell her myself when she comes home. Mrs. Hudson Taylor is on her way home. She opens her gate and Hudson ran out. Mother, mother, I have something to tell you. And her mother said, his mother said, You have responded to the call of God. And he got angry. He said, I asked Betty not to tell you. (laughs) And his mother said, Betty, I have not seen Betty. Then how do you know? Please listen, friends. Please listen. How do you know? Mrs. Taylor said, I was in prayer and God assured me that it had happened. I was in prayer, and God assured me that it had happened. Friends, it doesn't matter how how hard and indifferent the person might be. Prayer reaches where human hands cannot go. Prayer reaches where human voices cannot go. When the Spirit of God, as, as, as I can tell you the story of Augustine, His mother pled with him, pled with him, don't go to Rome, don't go to Rome, don't go to Rome. And resisting his mother's voice, Augustine went to Rome, and there he found a verse of Scripture, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh. He surrendered to Jesus Christ in Rome, the very place his mother asked him not to go, but his mother followed his trip to Rome with her prayers. That's why Paul is saying, I'm praying to God. See, prayer is a genuine response to the pressure you feel for the lost. Prayer penetrates where no human voice can go. And please listen. Prayer is made to God. You're not going to tell God what the person is smoking or drinking or going. You're going to say to God, This person is without your son. And I am praying to you. Matthew 9, 38 says, Pray the Lord of the harvest. My friends, please listen. I do not understand the mystery of salvation. I don't. That God works from heaven through the prayers of His people. And He uses human beings like you and me to share the gospel with those He has prepared to hear it. I can't explain it. But it, that's the way it happens. That's the way it happens. There is, this, there is this tension between the sovereignty of God and the submission of the human will. And we can have a number of arguments about that. But my friends, what I do know is that God will never save the man or woman without the prayers and the participation Of those who have experienced his salvation before that is why Paul shared it and Paul was willing to share it let me quickly go to my second point we have seen the expression of the passion now he explains it he explains it look at the condition of the people and I'll be brief with this the condition of the people is that they are lost listen to what Paul said my prayer to God is that they might be saved if they need to be saved, then they were lost. But, but lostness, my friends, is something we don't talk about in our present day world. We have come to the place where we see people as being nice. We see people, I, have, I mean I've said this before, this is, this is not new. Isn't it true that someone does some, some very horrible, horrible sin... And the the news people go and put their mics under their noses and ask the people about those people. And what do they say? He was such a nice person. I I can't understand. My friends, that's because they're lost. Lost means to be away from God. And so when Jesus Christ came into the world, listen to what he said. I am come to seek and to save that which was lost. I am not saved because I made a bargain with God. I am saved because of the grace of God that saw my lostness and in in His infinite wisdom. One good Friday morning, I woke up putting on my clothes to go to church, rehearsing it with my sister just this past week. And when my mother asked, Where are you going? I told her I was going to church. You can imagine what that was like to her. It was music, but it was also a shock. Listen, God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked if they're going to go into a Christless eternity. And that is why, my friends, we want to participate with the Nelsons, with the Bormans, with the Lloyds. Because I want to tell you The sphere, the sphere where Christianity used to be free is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. The thing that will happen now, my friends, when people are asked to come to Christ, we are asking them to take up their cross. Because there are people in the world who have no use for God, and when you speak of Him, you can pay a price for believing. So Paul is explaining now, the reason I have such a concern for these people is because they're lost. How many of them are lost? All. All. You know, where I live in Salem, where I live in Salem, sometimes I'm the only one on the street. I mean, there's not only one house. But everyone lives behind closed doors. You hardly get to see anybody at all. I remember the other day, I was—I was, I think I was going to the post office, uh, uh, to the mailbox, and, and it's quite interesting because I saw one of my neighbors and I thought it might be a chance to say hi. I'm going to tell you, he drove in his car, kept his head straight ahead. Never looked to the right or to the left. And, and one of the things I have been doing and I'm, I'm, I'm not good at 2 here, friends. One of the things I've been doing is that when, when, I, when I, I, I have a special time that I, I don't know some of their names, but I'm praying for the neighbors that in, that's in front of me, the neighbors that are beside me. Because if I really believe the gospel, as far as I know, they're lost. They're lost. I have reasons for saying that. I'm not judging them. I have reasons for saying that. The other day I went home and I heard a big fight going on. In, 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 not in my neighborhood. One door down from where I live. They're lost. That's the condition of people. Look at the confusion of people. They have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. I came across something while studying this text. That all, <coughs> excuse me, that all the people who do not believe in God are not all atheists. You've got to remember that. Look at this they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. So what what they're doing is that they're saying, I think I have to work my way to God. I know you sing about amazing grace and so on, but I, I, I don't have any room in my theology for grace. We have to work our way to God. We've got to do what we think will please God. We've got to use even the laws of God, even the commandments of God, to see if we can keep them. Paul knew that because that's what he tried. That's what he tried. They have a zeal. That's what I saw in, in, in Research Stadium last night. Zeal. Passion. One of the major religions today. One of the major religions today. They they, they go to a place called Mecca every year. And it is the one desire, it is in the tenets of this religion that you must make a pilgrimage to Mecca at least once a year or once in your lifetime. And when they go there, listen to what they do. Listen to what they do. They go there and there is a cube in the middle. It's surrounded by millions of people. And and when they go there, they go through certain exercises they walk counterclockwise seven times around that cube they pray they run back and forth they run between hills and between little valleys. they go to mount arafat and when they get there they begin to throw stones Because by throwing stones, they are fighting the devil. And my friends, this religion is so full of zeal that if any member of their family become a Christian, they're sentenced to death. Zeal. I think think of the, the Jehovah's Witness. Zeal. Have they come to your door at 8 o'clock in the morning? Zeal. The Mormons are in, in a lot of conversation today. Do you know that the present president, the president, the president candidate for president had to serve his church? He had to go away and spend time with another. This was part of his ritual. Zeal. And while we are not called to demonstrate that kind of a zeal, we are called, my friends, to begin with the heart, to feel the pressure and the pain and the pathos for those who are without God. Those that we see have a lot of zeal, but not according to knowledge. What knowledge? The knowledge which God gives. Look at, look, look at the, verse 3. They say, We know that there is a righteousness to be had in the world. But this is the way we want to accomplish it. They, don't, they, they, they do not know the righteousness of God because this is what the world needs, righteousness. They seek to establish their own. So they take what, what, what they are doing and say to God, excuse me please, I want to do this for you. And instead of trusting What God has revealed, instead of seeing Jesus Christ as coming into the world, to to, to help men and women, boys and girls who are lost, to come to know a personal relationship with His Father, because that's what Jesus said, this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Christ whom thou hast sent. That the righteousness of God is not something we earn, it's not something we work for, It's not in the words of Frank Sinatra, we did it our way. To reject revelation, my friends, is to commit spiritual suicide. Because the only way we're going to make it to God is if we take the bridge, the the, the ladder that God has shown, the bridge that he has built, and that bridge is by the cross of Jesus Christ. The righteousness, the law did not, God did not give the law for us to do our best to come to him. God gave the law so that we can see how far short we are of his righteousness and that we will trust another's righteousness to be able to be right with God. So we sing the song, and we love to sing it, do we not? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. I trust, my friends, that God will allow you and me to understand that with all the blessings He has given to us, we're still in a world where men and women need the gospel of Jesus Christ if they are to live with God forever. And so, Father... I pray that you will give us this sense of awareness to be able to share with our brothers and sisters in Christ the passion, the pain we feel for those who are without God. But at the same time, Father, to realize that the proof of this passion is how much we're ready to pay the price to pray. Husbands with wives for their children, Wives with with other wives. uh, Friends with friends. Coming together. Coming to this place where we meet. And Father praying. Believing God that he, he will draw to himself as we share. What a wonderful privilege to be fellow workers with God. One man sows as we heard this morning. Another man waters. But God gives the increase. May we see, Father, may we see new men and women coming to Jesus Christ because we have not only prayed, but we have shared the gospel with them. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen to this very sober song, A Charge to Keep I Have.